Well, does it work for you? It's beautiful. Wonderful. Wonderful. All right. Wonderful. Then, welcome to Moot, the podcast where mistakes are guaranteed and our point is Moot. I am one of your hosts, Jeremy, and with me is Joe, sort of. Though he's thousands of miles away. I'm I'm with you in your heart. That's what matters. That's what matters. Yes, in spirit. We we're actually converted druids now. So yeah, I sacrificed my first first squirrel yesterday. It was uh, fantastic. Oh wow! Well, I would never sacrifice yeah. nature. And like you, you feel so in tune with nature when you <laughs> go to the pet shop. You buy a squirrel and you just like, you know, you just hold all, your hand over the air holes for about two hours. It's fucking feels so. <laughs> I, th- I think we join different cults, my friend. <laughs> I am a certified tree hugger, and I am draped. Oh, I'm draped in skin. You know what? You're right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is all animal skin. <laughs> we got nice purple robes. Uh, it's made from hair, but I'm not sure whose. Okay, before listeners get the wrong idea of what we're here to actually talk about, <laughs> we are talking. So- are there aliens out there? <laughs> Are there? I don't know what they could be. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I don't know exactly where to start with this one because it's, it's such a broad topic. Like my introduction to aliens was watching the X-Files at my babysitter's house. And I was like, no, I was a little older than that. I was maybe like nine or 10. Dude, and- that's a good, that's a good introduction. It was. It was. I, I thought it was the coolest show. Yes. <laughs> so awesome. Wow, that is a pleasant introduction. Holy hell. Yeah. Well, the first episode I saw was about ghosts, so I got a very different... It, it took me a while to realize that the main plot was aliens. Wow. But, yeah. So, to, to kind of kick us off, I think it's important to know that... Uh, you're familiar with the SETI program, right? With the what? The, the SETI program. No. All right. So the SETI program is S-E-T-I. It's American, or no, no, it's, it's humanity's attempt to contact aliens. So they send, you know, messages into space. They vary the messages to make, you know, depending on how aliens might receive them or whatever. Um, but it's, it's something that's been going on for a while. I don't know if the SETI program is, is still in play. Um, but people who have theorized about aliens there there's two main things that they use when they talk about it one is the drake equation now the drake equation is how astrophysicists estimate how many other intelligent life forms live in the the universe with us and it could be you know thousands it could be nothing so what's the drake equation do do it for me I don't know what the Drake equation is, but I'd be happy to look it up because I'm sure it's something that, you know, doesn't have a lot of variables and won't take a ton of explanation. <laughs> okay. So it is N equals R times F of P times N of E times F of one times F of I times F of C times L. So okay. what this mm-hmm. is, what this means is the number of civilizations N on the left side of the equation, the number of civilizations in with, with which humans could communicate. That's the, that's the part that I, I missed was it's not just how many life forms are out there. It's how many intelligent life forms could receive our messages and potentially talk back to us. So 
that's n n is the mean rate of star formation so the average number of stars that are being created times the fraction of stars that have planets not every star has a planet times the mean number of planets that su could support life that's that's surrounded that that's within a habitable zone around their star yeah times the fraction of life supporting planets that could develop life because a, you know a planet might have the necessary conditions for carbon based life forms but not actually spawn anything yeah times, like it might it might have like it be in the perfect spot but it doesn't have the right soup right yeah or or just random chance meant, meant it never really developed um times the fraction of planets where the life develops intelligence so you could have microbes but they don't actually grow up and and <laughs> grow up mature or evolve into something that has a brain that can think. grow up microbes oh my god yeah. just crashing on like mother nature's couch for your entire life <laughs> freeloaders <laughs> Yeah, but you know that they have $5 for their designer coffees, fucking microbes. So then you multiply by the number of intelligent civilizations that could possibly communicate, and you multiply that by the mean length of time that civilizations can communicate. So you, you that, last, that last variable means it's the amount of time that a civilization actually exists and can communicate at the same time. So you get wiped out by... They could get wiped out by an asteroid or something. Yeah. And they could get our radio waves and then like the next day a solar flare wipes out their civilizations. So they never prepare their response and send it. Yeah. And also it's like they've only had about a billion years to exist because they got to be at least as old as us or older. Yeah. And Earth is about like it, it was like Big Bang was 14 billion years ago, and the Earth was 13 billion years ago. So it's a small window in time there. It's, it, it's an extremely small window in time. Like, the, the amount of time that, mm. you know, life can exist in the universe, just in the universe in general, is like a billionth of a billionth of a billionth of a billionth of a billionth. You know, it's, it's like, so it's a, it's a decimal with so many zeros. It's impossible for your brain to actually comprehend a number that small because the vast majority of time the universe spends dead or dying where energy yeah. doesn't exist anymore, which that by itself is kind of terrifying because sometimes I have to put the blankets over my feet. So monsters don't get me. And that doesn't really work. I tried to just walk around with like a blanket sock, but the monster still got me. So I'm like, <laughs> blanket's more of a placebo effect thing than anything else. So what's a what's the what's the monster that's possessed your human vessel? What's the monster's oh, motivation I, for doing this podcast? I I don't want to talk about my scout master right now. That's another episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't wait to see the troop. <laughs> so yeah. this we all have to wear lipstick on thursdays i don't get it <laughs> fridays please yeah <laughs> now but there's one more thing to consider with this too like contacting people that far away right is that there's just the issue of time and distance like if you were to do a phone call with one of the stars you see in the night sky it would basically like be talking to someone through a time machine you know yeah it's well, and it's an absurd idea. 
you would need like a signal that goes faster in time to reach you. Science, scientists do use the Drake equation for other stuff, right? So that's, that's actually a, a thing that they study, but it's, it's not part of the Drake equation. The Drake equation is how many could, could contact us. And then when they talk about the probability of us being contacted by life, they then use the Drake equation and plug it into other assumptive formulas and figure it out further from there. So the chances of a civilization hearing us and contacting us back and us receiving that message is, is way, way lower than the chances that there exists life that could do it. Yeah. Cause it could be like just fucking billions of people out there, just like us on other planets just doing the exact same thing we're doing, trying to contact each other, but none of us have just gotten it right to do it. Yeah. Like we sure as shit can't talk to people out there. So we're kind of relying on them to have some like backwards compatible technology to talk to us. Exactly. Exactly. And there's, yeah. there's it's like, a it's like living in a, living in a house with like a VHS and then there's a guy with a DVD somewhere around who wants to like hook it up to your TV, but exactly. you know, you're going to need some help. Yeah. And think about that. The VHS <clears throat> reigned for what, like 15, 20 years. Then the DVD player came and had a good 10, 15. And then Blu-ray came, which was kind of a DVD and they shared the same thing, but now everybody just streams everything. Like those technological advances happen in the span of a lot of people's lifetimes. So if if that window is so small on earth, imagine what types of things, you know, aliens could be using to talk with each other. It's probably not radio waves. Yeah. <laughs> and they probably. may not recognize it by the time a radio wave hits them. <laughs> they may not even have evolved to be able to like, like accept those like sound, for instance, they might not be sound based at all. Yeah. You know, uh, also, there's another thing like even if they are aliens out there who could contact us maybe they're contacting someone else who's like closer like maybe we because i think a lot of people feel like we're really special you know like uh if you ask i saw some kind of statistic on this but if you ask most evangelists when doomsday is coming they all think it's coming like in their lifetime yeah they think they're that special you know and i think a lot of like alien people think that too that well you know there are life out there who could do this we that, that just like probability says they could so they must be interested in us right right it's like who's to say we are even a vhs what if we're like just fucking betamax and everything just slipped by us while some other people contacted each other and had had a time yeah yeah and there's there's so many communication methods that we have <clears throat> that it, it's really difficult to conceive the gradients and the variety that might exist. Because imagine, say, aliens discovered that souls exist or that we have like an underlying energy force that stores like memory. Okay. So you think memory we stores. Like, we can call it like science souls. Yes. Scientific. Yeah. Science souls. Yeah. Science so souls. Instead of all memories being stored in the brain. The idea being that there's the spiritual underpinning that has other capabilities. It stores parts of our humanity. And yeah, what if there's an electrical aura around you that's also stores information like a cloud? 
And yeah. if you take MDMA, you can see this aura according to like everyone I know who's taken MDMA. <laughs> Which they could be right. Who knows? They could be right. I mean, if George, Joe Rogan says it's right, like he seems like a smart guy. Isn't that what you guys do in Norwegian high schools? Just sit around and pop MDMA and then like go on nature hikes? It is uh, an accurate stereotype. <laughs> we're against weed but we have state state sanctioned mdma <laughs> the thing is that's actually an interesting thing about the drugs in norway is that mdma is not state sanctioned per se but you know mushrooms uh norway is littered with like uh the psycho whatever it's called psycho mushrooms psilocybin <laughs> thank you yeah psychedelic mushrooms yeah. uh <clears throat> We're, we're littered with those flying soap is like ev- freaking everywhere uh and it's obviously because we have certain laws around nature and we have a relationship with nature it's like yeah like even the most ardent fucking uh, uh climate uh, change denier in norway is still never gonna fucking throw trash on the street or in the forest or anything like that they'll never pollute uh you know they'll never pour fucking paint water in the fjord or anything because we just like get it beaten into our heads as kids that like you respect the nature, right? Yeah. Uh, and so anything in nature is kind of fair deuce. Like you're not allowed to own property and people can't go camping there. That's something we have all amongst that every man's right. You, you told me that like six to nine months ago and I still yeah. am wrapping my head around Yeah, it. so it's like if I own like a forest, <laughs> I have no fucking right to tell you not to camp in that forest as long as you're doing it 50 meters away from my house or within a reasonable distance it literally says or within a reasonable distance because what if like 50 meters away is a river right, right. Uh, as long you, you can camp in someone's garden if it's a massive garden as long as you're not interrupting their lives you're not being you're being like a nice guy about it well and i, I think like if i imagine <laughs> you know but yeah so from that on to the mushrooms right uh, all of these different cultural things about how the forests are and how you can't like prevent people from doing what the fuck they want with the forest as long as they respect the forest means that there's a loophole in our drug laws and always drug laws are quite like archaic you know that's like talking to americans about uh if you want to if you ever want to feel like like on the statistics like norway is always ahead of america just look at our drug laws and then you can feel really good about yourself because we're fucking stone age right there um but not for the mushrooms they are unforgiving yeah that's, that is an all yeah. Yeah, like you're not you're not allowed to sell the mushrooms because that's kind of selling a narcotic, but you are allowed to pick them and ingest them as you please. Ooh, well, yeah, I know so, what I'm doing when I go on vacation to Norway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're going to mushroom p- picking, buddy. <laughs> uh, we're gonna wind up dead from some sort of horrible poison. <laughs> no, 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 no. Like we <laughs> we we have a multiple like. Uh, stuff for mushroom picking in Norway because it's like a popular pastime and uh, it's a cultural thing too so it's like it's easy to find guides to find everything that will not kill you uh, but you can eat and then stuff that says it's poisonous but it doesn't say anything negative you know that's a psychedelic because yeah. we're not really allowed to advertise for that because we we are like super anti-drug as a stupid nation alright so we just call it poisonous <laughs> <laughs> I mean, technically it's correct but it's not gonna do you any harm because it's you know fucking mushrooms yeah yeah 
Sure. So, okay. So I want to go back to the, the, the two tools. So the first is the Drake equation, estimating how many people could contact us. The other is the Fermi paradox. And this, the, this is the idea that because there are billions of star systems and billions of planets, the odds of intelligent life growing is pretty good. Like e- even, even. Oh the- yeah. Yeah. I heard of this. Can I explain it? Yeah, please. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, so the way I heard this is that in the Milky Way alone, it's like, there's like a billion, billion planets, right? Yeah. And so if you give life like really unreasonable fucking odds, like really, like you're really fucking like, nah, I don't want life to exist anywhere other than Earth. So I'm going to give it one in a billion chance, you know, <laughs> like you're going to be go fucking extreme with it. Uh, then you still have a fucking billion planets left that have life. And that's like, if you give it the worst possible odds, the odds are much more likely way, way, way higher, you know, like under a thousand probably. So we have at least like a fucking shit ton of planets. Yeah. Yeah. So essentially that, yeah. So that's right. Like is the, the, the odds are really high. And even within the Milky Way system, you know, astrophysicists estimate there are thousands of planets that, that should harbor life, intelligent life. And, uh, but the great filter, the, the paradox part of the Fermi paradox is that despite the fact that the odds are extremely high, why haven't we heard from or seen aliens? So I might be asking the same question, all of them. <laughs> well, they, they fit together. They fit together. <laughs> the, the paradox is very specifically yeah. that there should be a lot of aliens. Uh, but we're the only ones that we're the only ones we know about. So yeah. there's a, sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was going to say it, it could literally be that there's just like billions of fucking civilizations out there doing the equivalent of sitting and waiting for someone to call you on the phone. Right. It could be. And like, we're all just like, just waiting for them to contact us. One, I mean, there there are a lot of ideas that try to explain this. Like one is, one popular one is the universe is very, very young. And our star was born not super long after the Big Bang, cosmically speaking. So the odds are much lower that intelligent life would develop and be able to colonize and be able to advance technologically and not go extinct. Wait, wait is it very young? Because I've heard that the universe is like pretty fucking close to heat death. No. Oh, I don't know where you heard that. That's that's completely wrong. Yeah, like it's like only like a billion years away or something like that. No, no, no. So, well, the Earth is about a billion years away from being unable to sustain life. But the universe is only about 14, 13 to 15 billion years old. And it will live to be billion, 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 billions of years. Like such like we are at the very beginning of the universe. It's just started. And so much time is going to pass between now and the end, like the end of the, the last atoms decay after the last black holes disappear, which 
that the black hole thing is going to happen a lot sooner than the last atom decaying. But it's it's the universe has so much time to go. Um, most of the stars, like the final stars, the final stars that are going to be the last ones to wink out before the black hole era, like really kicks off. Those are still trillions of years away from being formed. So we've got, we've got so much time, but in terms of like livable time, we're just kind of in the first, like beginning phases of it. So In that case, that's good. I was I was worried we were like strapped for time or something. Like, yeah, and then didn't know how much time I had this weekend. <laughs> well, we we have very little time. I'll be lucky to see twenty one hundred. I don't think it's going to happen because <laughs> I'll be that would make me one hundred and fourteen years old. <laughs> well, <laughs> it'd be nice to be fourteen again. <laughs> I mean, no, nah, I hated fourteen. <laughs> I would rather just be thirty five. <laughs> I think that's a good age to stop. If I could, if I could stop aging now, like if I could be bitten by a vampire, just kind of keep this going. What I've got, that'd be okay. I'd be happy. With yeah, that. I wouldn't have a problem with that. No. So I mean, I would have a problem with the fucking vampire biting me. Like, get off me, bro. But you know. <laughs> so, the great filter is another theory. So the one theory is the universe is super young, which means that's why life hasn't like really flourished and the first contenders are starting to get into space travel like the idea being that other alien civilizations are kind of about where we are or they're just calling they've just colonized their first like galaxy and they're trying to figure out how to colonize deep space or something um another theory is called the great filter and the great filter is the idea is that yes there are there are thousands of other communicable intelligent life forms that have populated other places in the milky way but there's a filter that stops them from expanding so you have to and and the great filter actually has nine steps that you have to follow like nine okay is is now now it sounds like you're introducing me to a cult (laughs) (laughs) it really does talking about the great filter in the universe the galaxies and then you're like and there's nine steps you have to follow joe now listen closely it's First, donate a lot of money to my <laughs> personal. You know. Is is step six making reparations with your family, and is step seven drinking, draining your bank accounts, and mailing me a check? Yes, but let's listen to all of them first before <laughs> before we make up our mind about this cult. Before you take the pamphlet and sign your name. <laughs> oh, see, the salesman does not take a no. Oh, dude, dude, it's a me too age. Stop it. ABC, always be clear. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I mean, what an asshole thing to say. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it, it works, but wow, wow. <laughs> yeah, well, Denny's is for winners. Um, so, no, step one is having the right star system. Can't create life without it. Having two is having reproductive molecules. Three is simple, prokaryotic, single cell life. Four is complex eukaryotic single cell life. Five is sexual reproduction. Six is multi cell life. Seven is animals developing tools and using them with intelligence. Eight is a civilization advancing toward the potential for colonization, which is where humanity is now. And then nine is a colonization explosion. So 
so those are the kind of rungs that scientists have identified saying, okay, look, these are the places that we think most organisms would struggle with to adapt beyond. And it this would be highly improbable to move down all nine of those is the idea. Mm. That's why we are special. That's why we are special. Right. And so this is kind of a feel-good theory because it's like, well, we did it. But we don't know if other people are doing it right now. Like we don't know if other alien civilizations are are way beyond us. We just haven't. Or if they are, but they are too far away, basically. Yeah. Because there's probably a lot of cool shit we just haven't seen in our own ocean that is like just out of reach for us right now. So yeah. imagine what space is like. There's also the zoo theory, which says we're like the Truman Show. Like the reason we haven't met aliens is because aliens are watching us and we're entertainment for them. And so they're that, not- that's, that's a self-centered theory, I think. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, whoever thought this one is a little full of himself. <laughs> I mean, it's nice to have a good old-fashioned conspiracy. Something that's not like yeah. baby pedophile cabals are running. Yeah, good old-fashioned conspiracy with like lizard faces and right. less of this baby eating. It's like, what the, <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> oh, Hillary Clinton is eating a baby to stay young. It's like, have you seen her? She is not working. <laughs> China invented <laughs> the Wuhan virus to control the population. Yeah. It's it's like, at least before you have like a theory like that, she must look extraordinarily young for her age. She doesn't. You know what I mean? (laughs) You can't say that she's staying young on like baby blood and demons if she's not staying young. (laughs) If she's not staying young, then what the hell is the point of all this baby blood and demons, you know? Yeah. Those are potential voters. (laughs) Well... So I'm, I'm curious as to what your thoughts are. Like, what do you actually think is going on? Are there like aliens stalking us? Did I, the Scientologists right? Did they like a bunch of aliens dump their corpses and, and spirits into a volcano somewhere? Publicly on a podcast, I'm always going to say that the Scientologists are right. Oh, God. <laughs> of course, of course, that's, they are so correct. That's my fault for introducing it into the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> no 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 they're wrong they're batshit crazy they're a cult and they should be stopped um not like our cult which has better pamphlets our cult's way better yeah and uh, it does not need to be stopped so you know get over yourselves um <laughs> but <laughs> um i think that it's possible that they may have visitors at some point and helped us out because i saw this I mean, it was like one of those history channel things. So, you know, it's clearly not about history. Um, but they showed this ruin in modern age called Puma Punka okay. somewhere in South America. And it was really interesting to me because the whole ruin was made like with like real fucking like precision tools. Like we're talking like buzz saws and shit, you know, like those were clean cuts. Those were not something you do with a chisel and a hammer. Yeah. Uh, they were like really, really like advanced stuff, stuff that we would have a hard time replicating today if it's not done by like a proper artisan. And uh, it was 
way, way out in like the fucking sticks on a mountain. Like there was just nothing nearby. There was no fucking quarries. There was no stone. It was just a. It's like what you expect the Mongolian steppe to look like, but on a mountain in South America. You know? Yeah. It was just like grass and nothing. And then they had this insanely old, gorgeous, massive structure of stone with like all these star gods that like were bigger than the regular people and that uh, the stories on the walls are that these star gods came down and helped them build this place and they're going to come back someday and etc etc and they then they went away in like this big thing that looks like a spaceship because it's like drawings you know that's how they write and uh this is like way out there like even even if these were like like the best humans ever and they managed to you know piss on modern technology with a chisel uh how the fuck did they get those stones up there like there's there's just no they were not a large enough size to carry that shit and they they were not at the stage in technology where they could like you know grab an elephant like they didn't have anything like that to to drag all that shit up there right yeah so it's like i'm thinking how do they get this how do they place this how do they make this at all gather the resources and what's with the story on it so that makes me think like i'm i'm skeptic very much so but puma punka makes me think because then there's like my thoughts there if I give into it and then just kind of go with it. I would say that maybe the aliens came here, right? And they see some animals that are like smart enough to train and then they do it. Kind of like you do with your kid. Like it's kind of smart enough to be a human. It's not really a human yet, you know? Yes. You know, but it's smart enough to be a human. So you start like teaching them how to do like really basic shit. Yeah. And then you see how they take it from there. It's I like just, you can train crows to to do the similar things, you know? Like you can teach certain animals to use tools in certain ways. Right. And individually, like how you can teach a gorilla to do sign language and actually fucking talk to a gorilla, which is, you know, still an extremely, like, people don't go crazy enough about how insane it is. We can actually talk to gorillas. We just need to learn sign language and teach it to them. Yeah, no, that that blows Same. my mind. I always thought it's uh, like it's not just like are you hungry level kind of conversation you can have with a dog, you know? No, we're talking, they're... we're talking fucking wordplay, like it, like we're English wordplay, like Coco the gorilla, you know? Yeah, uh, she uh, um, was asked in sign language name two things that are hard, and she signed rock as in a stone, you know, and then she signed work as in the act of working act of doing shit first of all that she has the concept of work at all is amazing uh but you know they taught it to her but the fact that she can equate that to being hard in the same sense that a rock is hard even though there's two that's describing two very different fucking concepts shows that she's got a fucking mastery of english you wouldn't find with many toddlers you know, it's like you can talk to her and you can talk to toddlers. You know? Yeah. So it's like, it's the fact that we can kind of like, we can give tools to these things. I mean, they're smart enough to understand these things 
on their own, I guess, but I'm, I'm assuming we're helping them a lot when we're giving them these tools, right? And we can teach them how to do stuff. Like the, there's that Asian laboratory there where they were teaching chimps and orangutans to use currency by giving them so, so many uh, like coins a day. And then they could trade those for certain types of food they wanted. And they yeah. gave them a menu with buttons, like pictures of like the different foods and a corresponding button with a picture on it, like on a, like this big ch- children's keyboard kind of thing. Yeah. And the fact that we can do that makes me think others could have done that to us. That's very interesting because I also think that plugs into, I, I, this is uncharacteristic of us, but here comes a tangent. I, <laughs> I think that if miracles happen around people, they don't notice it because after Coco died, a bunch of skeptics kind of came out and said, hey, well, you know, I know we want to think that Coco uh, didn't know sign language. Um, she never mastered sign language and she made mistakes all the time. It's like, yeah, but. So do I. <laughs> so do I. Like, I don't see what the problem is. And I think that there's such a focus on thinking that we're special that I don't think we would handle meeting aliens well because we can't even handle communicating with our pets well, even though our pets have very real emotions, they have routines, they have communication skills, they have, you know, I don't know. Um, <laughs> so yeah, where, where were you going with that? I don't want to derail you too much. No, it was basically that. I think that they've, uh, uh, they, 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 could, they might have, they might have uh, guided us in this way you know it's like it's easy to understand how to make like a fire if you know that you need magnesium and flint and all this shit right but figuring it out you know initially that could be tricky i'm pretty sure we figured that one out since fire predates like our fucking species what if what if Uh, because we didn't harness fire that was uh that was homo erectus and we were born from the fire because when you can cook food, you get more nutrients from it, and we have bigger brains because of that. Like humans don't exist without fire. Right. So we're the only animals that like fire. All other animals, they shy away from it if they see it. You know? What if what if God was an alien? You know, like what if the biblical tales were true, but they were just misinterpreting reality? Like, imagine if like aliens came down and they see Abraham. Right. And they're like, okay, let's talk to that guy. He's, he's chief of his tribe. And they like try to send him a message, but they realize they're using some dialect that like Adam and Eve used, you know, <laughs> like something, yeah. something that's like 500 years out of date. So they adjust it and they're trying to talk to Abraham and Abraham. He's like, what God? And they're like, ah, kill your son, you know? And they're just like, they're just, they're just fucking with things and trying to make sure that they get all the vocabulary right. And they're fiddling yeah. things. And he's like, oh, kill my son. Okay. And he like brings his son up and they start freaking out. They're like, no, no, don't kill your son. Uh, it was a test, you know? <laughs> yeah. And he goes, oh, it's a test from God. There was just a couple of dudes fucking around at the office with the microphone. Right. They were, they were, <laughs> the subject's actually doing it. <laughs> they were on the border making a grave mistake. And it was just because of a communication error. <laughs> yeah. What if they were, we've been they telling- were almost fired? Oh, yeah. Shit. That could have been a blunder. <laughs> like, hey, you know what? Like, we've been we've been 
you know, I, I know you and I are both not religious. <laughs> and so our attitude toward religion is, I don't think it's scornful. It's definitely not positive, though. Like, I I, think- I, I, I've started to warm up more to it than my later years. I've started to warm up more to it because I see what it can offer people. I just, um, I just think we gotta, we gotta harness it a little bit better. Right. I do, I do think a lot of people are, are have a need for that spiritual stuff. You know. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's it like a great sim- symbolism. Like the human psyche is like fucking in love with symbolism. So I think, yeah, I think that and pondering and all of that stuff that you find with like having basically unanswerable questions and like all sorts of made up crazy stories with little hidden kernels of truth that anyone can apply to anything in their life is pretty useful. Yeah, um, yeah. I just uh, think it's like, Hey man, can you kind of lay off the gaze? <laughs> <laughs> you know, is that, nece- is that a necessary part of it? I don't get it. Right. Uh, all right. Well, let me do the ad for today. <clears throat> we'll get back to this. Um, all right. Today's episode has been brought to you by Crib Sheets, a 10-hour, ten, 10-DVD ten set of the most common answers for tests, quizzes, and essays. Listen to over 100 hours over all 10 DVDs of rapid-fire answers funneled right into your ear. If you don't hear the answer to your test, just keep listening while taking your exam until you hear something relevant. Crib Sheets also comes with a list of deflections and excuses in case the professor asks, what you're listening to on your headphones, including gems like, these are my grandmother's last last words, they help me calm down during tests, and are you assuming my music tastes? Order now and get our two fun sister DVDs called Crib Death and Crib Death Part 2, Baby Blue Boogaloo. Crib Sheets, the real sheet heads in academic cheating. (laughs) Uh, Do people still buy sheets like with answers to tests? I have no idea. I was watching. It's like kind of like a like an American Pie level thing to do. Right. I honestly, I was a little worried about this one because there's some incredibly inappropriate humor in there. But uh, YOLO. I don't know. <laughs> um, I was watching Community, and I, I saw the one where uh, I forget who it does. Who actually does it? It's either Annie or Britta. But one of them makes the crib sheet, and Chang finds it. It's one of the first episodes, but that's where that came from. Okay, so question, if we do colonize, say, Mars, like we go up there, how does Earth write a constitution? Um, well, so we got to figure out something that everyone can agree on. So I think it would be a very vague and like, very basic constitution i don't think we're gonna have too much uh i don't think there's gonna be too much details in there like i don't think there will be like work regulations or shit like in a, in a yeah i think i think it's gonna be like everyone agrees murdering is bad and then they find something from that to make sure that okay everywhere at least people's physical safety must be like respected you know or something like that yeah I'm guessing they would have to need the, the UN to get together. They would have to need probably fucking multiple years for everyone to agree on just like five basic rules to add to their constitution. 
and they're gonna you know need to amend that shit later down the line as with all constitutions because like you know with like the american constitution you have a lot of people talking about like like in retrospect like how they were all slave owners and how they weren't like really thinking about everyone they were just kind of thinking about the people they liked right yeah uh and then who's to say that our constitution doesn't somehow fuck with the people of pluto in the future right so we need to be able to amend it too you know as with everything there's i always thought it'd be interesting because i feel like there would have to be a bill of rights like a a basic so you know not apologizing for being american that this is where my head goes but there's there would have to be like basic rights that determines that the person that goes out there and their ancestors are human because I could see just based on the insane amounts of, you know, racism and and vileness that still exists in American society today. I could easily see where, you know, some catastrophes happening on Mars earth needs to donate 11 trillion to keep this colony alive you know and there's maybe there's like 15 colonies up there so on you know on earth earthicans borrowing the futurama phrase earthicans are like well you know what everybody else is okay you know why should we be giving them money if they can't hack it you know what i mean like they're they're martians and after you get the first and second generation people up there and say we hit 2,400, 2,500 and climate change hasn't, and people haven't wiped themselves out by that point, saying that we're still alive in 500 years and Mars has been around for 300 years. Colonies on Mars, they're going to wind up being antagonistic, whether they want to or not. Like, just look at how America treated Puerto Rico when the hurricane hit and like Trump just did fuck all. And I have friends. I, 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 I sincerely doubt that. Mars is going to be the affluent one in the mix. I think Earth is still going to be the affluent one. Of course it is. So it's going to be yeah. Mars at least early on, unless they like terraform the shit out of it and make it some like pleasure palace. Now, but even if they did, it's just going to, the second you get people up there, right? Because it's going to take forever for them to get actual nature up there. So people are going to be living in these like fucking techno slums up there because you can't really stop people from breeding unless. It isn't a colony, and it's just like a lab with some professional scientists, you know? Right, right, so exactly. The second it's a real colony, you're going to have a slum at some point. Because yes. there's going to be people who just don't do well up there, and there's not enough resources to go around. And then, you know, there's going to be like, you know, just like baby booms here and there, because that's just how people work. They don't keep it in their pants. Yeah, it would reproduce <laughs> like Skaven, almost. Like Basically, rats. And that that always causes problems, especially when resources are scarce, which they fucking will be on Mars. It's Mars, unless they find new ways to cultivate energy, which will probably happen, the energy part at least. Hmm. And, you know, to spread agriculture will probably require, you know, pressure sensitive. I want to talk more about this this, uh, constitution of yours. Oh yeah, said, so the constitution about they have, they have to be able to prove like a human heritage. So I think that there's going to have to be whether you say everybody has a right to the internet 
or everybody has a right to water. Like really basic shit. I think even more basic than water, which, you know, determines if you're going to die in three or four days, I think is the idea that everybody is human because after they've been up there for several generations, you're going to you have to start speaking about Martians and earthlings. Right. You're going to, you're going to say, well, they're from a, they're literally from a different planet and there will honest to God be people saying that what you want, what you don't want is that a, a non-insignificant or a majority of the popul- population echoing that sentiment? Because once that happens, then yeah. now you're two competing things for the same reason. That, that makes perfect sense because you need to have them unite. Right. And then, but, but that's, maybe that's what it was like for the founding fathers too, because maybe that's how they united over it, you know? And then later on, you give rights to everyone else as well. Yeah. So like we have rights for humans when we start the constitution there. And then if we suddenly discover an alien race and they're treated like shit once we intermingle, then it's like, okay, we're amending this shit to include rights for Zorblians as well. I think there's there's a second right that will be discussed and will probably not be honored. But I think the other one is the right to go home. So Oh yeah. If you're born on Mars, do you have to suffer that shit? Like, could you imagine being a kid born on a Martian colony with 500 people? It's basically like some, you know, place way in the northern extreme parts of Norway where they're just herding, I don't know what you guys heard, like moose and penguins and stuff. Oh, reindeer, literally. (laughs) I didn't say that because I thought it would sound like... I don't know, racist or something, but this is... <laughs> it, it would sound racist, but it would also be accurate, which is a you know a little thought experiment for people. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I, I'm glad you said it then because <laughs> I feel the consequences. It's literally, it's literally a reindeer. That's like a huge fucking industry up there is herding reindeer. All right, that's fucking hilarious. Anyway, so <laughs> imagine if you're in some like out of the way town, you grow up in this like tiny little village, you can't escape. You have nowhere to go. Like, at least they can go to college in, like, Bergen because they're still Norwegians, right? Like, if they wanted to go to school, probably could. But now imagine being stranded on Mars. You can't even go to different colonies. And all you have are, like, your online pre-recorded classes that were made, like, three decades ago on Earth. Okay, but then I have a question for you that I think is interesting. Let's say... uh... Some kid from like, give me give me some faraway country. What's a faraway country? For me, Madagascar. Okay, Madagascar. A kid from Madagascar that wants to like, he decides I am not really from Madagascar. You know, I don't like what the cards have been dealt to me. I want to go to, I want to go to Poland. You know, I want to yeah. go to Poland and like seek my destiny or whatever. You know, what's a country that you want? What what what? What's a country you would want to go to? Germany? Poland? Yeah, sure. I mean, I was going to say yeah. Cleveland, but... <laughs> yeah, Cleveland. Okay, you want to go to Cleveland. You want to go and be, be with uh, Jeremy. Okay, yeah, that's right. So, <laughs> you're from Madagascar. You want to go to Cleveland. Uh, we have a dinner date. So, you have? Do you, do you think you should have the right to do that? Well, and that's the thing, is I think that will be the chief argument. Is, yeah, because no, no, I'm wondering, like, it, should that be a right or a privilege? Because if it's a right, then I feel like we should also be 
giving them resources to follow their dream, right? Um, so, like, if you're born on Mars and you want to seek your destiny on Earth, uh, but you're because if it is because you're poor, you know, like you can't, you just can't live there. You know, it's just you don't have any money, you have nothing. But it's expensive to go from Mars to Earth. Who should should that be like a thing that the the Martian government pays for it because the kid applies for it, and what's the limitations on it? I think it the so. Oh, that's and a, if you have it, from, oh, that's a lot of really good questions because the thing is, if <laughs> thank you, <laughs> it, it, no, it's a great, it's a great. That, that's a, that's a great point because if you're a kid on Mars. No teenager is going to want to grow up on Mars if you've got like 10 other teenagers in the area. You can date, depending on your sexual preferences, anywhere from four to nine of the others. And yeah, if if you do some assholish thing as a teenager, which every adolescent does some horrible thing that keeps them up at night sweating, I know I have. Like, yeah. You then know, like it's this tight-knit local community. You'll never outlive it. Right, and you being can't stuck in a small town and never being able to go to a big city. And everybody's so everybody's going to want to go home at some point in their life. And if they mm-hmm. all are granted that thing, nobody's going to stay on Mars. <laughs> have... Oh, right. So Mars is going to die then. Also, there's like, uh, what about the money? Because it, it it'll be expensive. Like, I cannot imagine it's good for either environment to like just send daily fuck like well send like daily ships of martian like expats actually i have the answer to this i know exactly what the answer to this is even though i haven't read it anywhere and i still think i'm right so okay let me hear it the answer is billionaires like elon musk are going to be building up they're going to need a base to pillage the asteroid field the asteroid field has enormous amounts of minerals and other other things that that you know, silicon, things that we need for computers, stuff that we're going to need for technologies we haven't developed yet. And it is in this massive ring, planets worth of material, just just circulating in orbit. And Mars is closest to that. It's the closest hard planet to it. And if there is a massive commercial interest to pillage those resources, then there are going to need to be uh, outposts on Mars to both that that's what those people will do they, they they're going to be miners they're going to be like early settlers going manifest destiny across america you know yeah. it's it's going to be it's going to be a mining thing at first and it's going to be infrastructure to keep the mining going there's going to be you're going to need places to live they're going to need to have greenhouses to grow food it's like all the towns in the midwest in the u.s yeah, and it's it. Those towns will probably dry up for the same reasons that we do, but it's going to be taken on by some other technological advance. You've got enough towns there. Suddenly, someone is going to build a Las Vegas in the Martian desert. Then someone is going to find out that there's a huge reservoir of water underground there, and they're going to build a massive capital there instead. I you know, think all sorts of shit could happen. You know, but I'm thinking. Like, what about the logistics once they got society figured out? Like, because I'm also thinking about contemporary issues. So, like, if we say that you, if if we say that a Martian has the right to go to Earth, I think we also have to say that a Madagascan has the right to go to Cleveland. You know, I think those things have already been developed, and and yeah but have they been developed well like no, like no, no. if you are from if you're from Madagascar right 
and you don't have the resources it doesn't matter that you you hate it that is like oh fuck this i want to i don't want to be here i don't want to be a place i want to be a place where it snows you know there will always be there will always be the impoverished because the rich the wealthy will always use their wealth to safeguard their wealth and and downtrod the people at the bottom the people at the bottom will never have agency like we all americans have rights but then i'm thinking yeah because then i'm thinking like who is the system for this uh martian system we're talking about oh the well we're trying we're trying to figure out like how they have a right to go home right but does it matter if they have the right to go home if they don't have the means to do so it's like you got a right yeah you have the right to go back to earth the cradle of humanity it's like oh great can i yeah that'll be you know eight million martians i couldn't think of a currency you know (laughs) it'll it'll be a lot of money yeah that'll be a lot of money sir okay i don't have that Ah, tough luck. Get back into the acid mines, you. You know. Well, I think that that is one of those things where, like, that's a problem that will exist indefinitely, and <clears throat> it, it's always going to be about whether you have the resources to do it. Because while not every teenager could go home, if there's a strong middle class on Mars, because like Silicon Valley is the forefront of technology now okay but, so as long as the rich people on mars have the right then the others will eventually get the rights too as things develop no no no. There, there's always going to be a group of people that are don't have any rights even though there's yeah, but like you mean like it's important to have like an anchor that a martian has the right to do this and right. then even though only the rich people can enjoy the right that is a very important gateway for the rest of the people Exactly. I'm not saying the system's going to yeah. be fair. It will never. No, no, no. I don't trust humanity. It will never be fair. But I'm yeah. I, what I'm worried about is like more broad speaking, like like America or, or not America. I'm sorry, the Earth versus Mars. Like I always heard that Americans were very America centric. Like they thought they were the world. Now I believe it. <laughs> <laughs> i'm not doing us any favors <laughs> i always i oh when i lived in england when i lived in england and the english like they they, they hate americans fucking hell they, when they probably when they when they went on like when they went on and went like oh americans think they're fucking the world like, they think they are the world and i'm like no they don't that's just an ugly stereotype <laughs> and now it's like jeremy's just all those times in the fucking in the fucking weather spoons where I sat and defended Americans, I've been made a fool. All right, I'm feeling I'm feeling a bit of cringe right now. I'm, <laughs> you have to remember, mm-hmm. we've recorded about fifty hours of this podcast where it's been like America versus Norway. <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna chalk it up to muscle memory, and I hope that my automatic self corrections speak for themselves. <laughs> <laughs> Oh no, it's funny though. It's brilliant. This is all I got. <laughs> Two links be sad. I feel like I want to say that, like, with our topics, America versus Norway. It's, that's that's rarely my idea because I feel like I shouldn't. It sounds like I'm shitting on another country. I don't want to be that guy. <laughs> <laughs> I want to say that that's rarely my idea. Mostly the cultural stuff. We, if, if you take any two cultures around the globe, Norway and America are pretty similar. Like, you know, in a lot of ways, we are both Western, we're both 
wealthy nations, although our citizens are definitely experiencing different qualities of life right now um, at this point in history. But I think there's a lot of things. We share enough stuff to the point where, you know, you said that World War II binds Norway to Britain and America in, in a way that's Absolutely. still very conscious in everybody's heads now. So there's there, there are links, you know. Absolutely. Like if you are from, I think this counts for America too, but I'm not sure. But I know that if you are from Britain, um, you can stay in Norway for six months without a job uh like and still be taken care of you know because we want we want people to be able to like the the rule is that you can stay for three months but if you're not able to like feed yourself and take care of yourself then you gotta go right um but the british they got six months instead Mm. like european union they have three months but britain always got to have six i think america does too but i'm not sure about that one i don't know and it probably is state by state like a lot of things are like that no I, I i don't know i don't know if norway would have a state-by-state relationship <laughs> it would it, it seems strange for me to norway to have like an agreement with the state of like cleveland that's not <laughs> well that would be strange <laughs> yeah the state, the state of ohio i thought i was going to try and think of another one but ohio and so it said cleveland <laughs> idaho everybody thinks of idaho first <laughs> oh yeah yeah idaho duncan idaho um Shit all over those guys. We don't care. I mean, you know, I'll wash my potato bags for a few weeks, but it's fine. (laughs) (laughs) They produce a lot of potatoes to the point where there's like multiple Idaho brands. In Well, in that case, I do believe Norway might have some kind of treaty with them because we eat a lot of potatoes. (laughs) You might be eating Idaho (laughs) brands. They export them. Yeah. I mean, we grow a lot of potatoes, too, because that's the one thing you can grow here. But that and mushrooms, so you know, come on over. Um, <laughs> that and your hallucinogenics. <laughs> yeah, bake a potato and get baked. You know, it's it's a good mix. I think, like, <clears throat> you know, globalization is a concept that's rather new. Just like the idea of a country, in terms of of human history, the idea of a country or even a city state is new, radical within the last ten thousand, twenty thousand years, and the concept. Yeah of globalization is much newer and i think that Mm. those have been imperfect rollouts but i think you can see the kind of flawed bad thinking bad faith policy that will wind up resulting between earth and mars like take the european union and brexit right yes like england (laughs) they didn't know they secede is the wrong word but they withdrew from the eu no, yeah. they did secede. I mean, that's not the wrong word, I think. So yeah, they they, they pulled back, you know, they, they removed themselves from the yeah. EU and their rights are suspect. But before that, they could travel to anywhere within the EU with just a license. And yeah. you used to be able to, if you were a British citizen, you used to be able to like, you know, in the, in the, I'm not saying this is a glorified time, colonialization has destroyed entire continents and it was a terrible thing um so this, this is how you can tell that jeremy is like a liberal is because he has to apologize before he says something. <laughs> i have to re-endorse my own ideas yeah it's like yeah. i yeah. am not one of the bad ones <laughs> this is important oh it's oh, a horrible phrase i'm not among oh. the bad ones oh that's my second dose of cringe i'm just feeling it today. <laughs> what is writhing in my chair um no, I, but you know, if 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 you 
wanted to go to a British colony. I think that those were early globalist policies that like, yes, India is not Britain, but you could still go there. You could take a boat if you had enough money and kind of walk around. And I think that's what Mars will be. But the, but the thing is we do not want to try people like that. Earthlings can go visit the Martians and have a time, but it's not going to feel, it's not going to be mutual. Like Martians are only going to get to Earth if they are like rich bitches or they have like, they have friends in blue places, they're going to say probably. Blue in the face. Because you got the red planet and the blue planets, you know. (laughs) Oh man, imagine the slurs. Um, Yeah. It's going to be like the Crips and the Bloods, but on a fucking galactic level, y'all. Jeez. Yes, I don't know. Like, I think that it's you can see how badly global because it played out terribly for people that lived in India. You know, they were colonized and, and horrible things were done to them. Their entire country was set back, you know, decades technologically and culturally. Mm-hmm. Their their culture was decimated in, in places and ways. They had a very rough time. Even the caste system reintroduced. <laughs> yeah, let's just say it's bad. People often think the caste system is like the way Indians were always doing things, but now uh, it's a really ancient system that the Brits brought back so that they could uh, kind of like do the divide and conquer thing more effectively. Right. Like the caste system, they, they had abolished that like ages ago when the Brits arrived. Yeah. And it was essentially restored, but in a worse way <laughs> i don't know if it was in a worse way i mean it seemed like a pretty shitty system i think they got rid of it for a reason well um, i, I mean say, it's, okay, it's, so... a, it's an effective system if you believe that those families that do those things are the best at it and it's equally respected for its value to society as a contribution like in plato's uh, ideal republic you know but i don't think it was like that i can't say how the human experience was comparing pre-Britain rule and British rule. But I do know for a fact that British rule resulted in far more deaths of Indians. Oh, they they shot them openly in the streets when they protested. Like they actually shot and killed them in the street. Well, not just that. What wound up killing a lot more Indians because they did that everywhere. I mean, I'm not saying that that's that's obviously horrible, but the British were shooting people in the streets everywhere. Anyone they subjugated got shot in the streets. In India, though, they were, because they were the largest and most populous colony that the British ruled over, um, and, and they experienced, you know, times of like drought and, and, and times that their agriculture was decimated. Britain destroyed their textile industries, their mining industries, like every industry they had, they eliminated because Britain wanted to single source s- stuff from its colonies. And India was chosen to be an agricultural input. They wanted food from India. And they, they needed a ton of food. There were a ton of Indians. They thought, great, India has a ton of land. We'll make them do it. So they abolished all these other industries that India had relied on for literally. Oh, so they just turned India into a breadbasket. They're like, okay, guys, stop what you're doing. This is what you're going to do. This is what you're doing now. So not only do you have people that are inexperienced with farming, being forced into farming, but when uh, the, 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 the famines and droughts hit, which India had weathered many of them before, India goes through cycles of, of drought, but 
The thing is, in the past, they had been able to supplement their loss of food with trade with other nations using things like textiles, which was their biggest export before then, and mining and you know, oh, raw materials. They, took, they so, fucking took away their like bank account, basically. They took away their means to provide to to supplement these times of not plenty, you know, anti-plenty, and they were still demanding food quotas. So not only were the Indians unable to buy, use imports to buy food from other nations, they were still forced to give food to Britain during these these times. So people were starving by the by the hundreds of thousands everywhere. And so if you look at the, the number of famine deaths that occurred before British colonization and the number of famine deaths during British occupation, the British occupation famine deaths are way off the charts. It's like, it's absurd because they just didn't give a shit. And back home, you had philosophers and, you know, thinkers talking about how the British right to life, almost like an American manifest destiny. You know, this is, this is what people need to remember, you know, downplaying the results of the famines. Obviously there was nobody doing, there's no historian, British historian doing historical comparisons of famine deaths that nobody was accurately collecting data that had to be done extremely post-mortem decades later. Uh, yeah, so it was pretty bad. And and I worry about that kind of stuff with, you know, colonizing deep space because deep space people will rely heavily on Earth, but Earth will always be going through crises and humanity will always be going through crises and people are not we might, we might not, all the time. We might not share. Right. We might decide that we need to do something. So I think it's, it's going to be easier for people to go to war against other planets and other countries. Yeah. Because then it's like, you can literally say they're from another world. Like just imagine the propaganda fucking uh, ads on TV or whatever the equivalent is in the future. You know? Yeah. Just imagine like something getting up on your bionic eye about like these fucking Martians coming across the rings of Saturn to steal our women. You know? It's not gonna. It's not gonna need any to be loosely based in science either, because you know people are still always gonna be people, no matter what fucking age you live in. Right. So they're gonna throw themselves at this. And then, the movie like, they live. I uh, did not, but I want to because it's the one with the sunglasses, right? Yes, it's the one where the guy puts on the glasses and he can see aliens. So he's running around yeah. murdering, murdering aliens. What <laughs> do you think? Like, could you imagine if you just woke up one day? And there's a PSA on TV by the government telling you that aliens have infiltrated society, encouraging you to go buy sunglasses and murder aliens. What would you do? Um, in the future, I would say that it was like an antiquated movie that is not fit for public consumption in today's society. <laughs> it's like saying it's okay to go out and kill aliens because they're different. So like, if you're a Martian, you're going to find that offensive, I think. You should. <laughs> But are you like asking me if I would go out and kill like people with sunglasses right now if the government told me to? Yeah. Like maybe. If you had, yeah, maybe. Maybe. If the government and, uh, said there are people infiltrating your society, you can only see them with these glasses. And they look like 3D theater glasses. And you put them on and you see like a skeleton 
pushing like a human child at the park. You ever see that? Uh, you ever see that episode of Black Mirror where there's like an implant in the soldier's eye so that he sees the Danish refugees? Yes, uh, I love that episode. That's one of my yeah. favorites. Yeah, I like that episode too. I think if I had those on, it would be a lot easier for me to just go out and kill a bunch of people. So if the sunglasses the government gives me are like, uh, yeah, like they they make the aliens look horrifying and evil, uh, it makes me like it triggers like my adrenal glands and shit. You know, it's gonna be way easier for me to like kill them, as long as I don't know that they are not in fact monsters, but they are. You know, Martians trying to ask for bread. I'm going to get a little more broad because now that we're talking about space and stuff, I think some of these things are interesting. So there's a theory that because there are multiple, perhaps infinite universes, that the universe is the ultimate superorganism. Like, you know, we have cells and our cells have atoms and atoms have quarks and you can break those things down. But Holy the idea, the idea is that to the universe, we are just, we're just kind of, uh, it's cells that intelligent life doesn't matter. All that matters is that the universe can reproduce. So the universe develops stars and develops planets in hopes that intelligent life spawns somewhere that masters physics to the point where using science, it can replicate new universes. Which, if the universe does spend the majority of its time dead, then that means the reproductive part of the universe's life is really early. And for like an exceedingly short amount of time, and after a point, it's no longer possible. And that it doesn't matter which intelligent life group of life forms rise up. All that matters is that ultimately, before the universe shuts down and there's you know a, a total heat death and entropy ceases to exist, that by that point, it will have created new universes. That's amazing. It's like a, it's like just like a never-ending fucking loop. Yeah, it's. It, but that. What if that was life? What if our point of life was to support a life greater than ourselves? What if the universe was conscious and it was talking to other universes and competing? It's like, yeah, well, I have thirty-five thousand alien races inside of me right now. Except it doesn't use the word alien because it doesn't speak English. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, that needed to be said. <laughs> oh, this was a good topic. Here, here's another one. Because the universe is expanding, or not just expanding, accelerating, that there is a point where we will be accelerating faster than everything else in the universe, which means we will hit a point where we are accelerating faster and where our velocity is higher than the speed of light and when that happens guess what happens we go backwards and then <laughs> we all get sucked into the big bang it turns out to the little whimper and it all starts over again with a new big bang <laughs> well no that's not what i was going for i mean maybe 
I, I don't know. I'm not no, 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 the math is in. The math is in. <laughs> I've crunched the numbers. You figured it out. I have, uh, <laughs> I've added the algebra. And uh, that's what's going to happen, buddy. <laughs> it's, it's been decided mathematically and by the divines. So uh, when we pass the speed of light, all stars in the, in, in the, the night sky will vanish because we'll be moving faster than the speed of light so the light of other stars can't catch us. And every night will be black every time. That's going to be just like living in Norway in the winter, so I think we're (laughs) fine. (laughs) I think we're fine, man. Like, I've I've endured it. You can can deal with it for a bit, too. We needed somebody religious on this episode so they could (laughs) give us their (laughs) spiritual take. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you can't you can't come and bitch to a norwegian about dark nights it's like come on what are you talking about it's like i live in bergen man like when i heard in the bible that the world got flooded from 40 days and 40 nights of rain i laughed i was a child well it was like last last december when you're sending me shots of bergen it's like yeah afternoon pitch black 11 in the morning pitch black like there's there's no daytime or during the summer you also sent me pictures where it's like two in the morning and it looks <laughs> it's daytime yeah yeah it's like it can go down for a coffee except everyone's asleep yeah well yeah. I, I like saw your post your, your your message and it was probably eight in the morning when i when i looked at it the next day i was like yeah that looks like that here and then i realized oh no it was like one in the morning for you (laughs) (laughs) oh it's so black outside right now one 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 last thing i want to mention that i think is really cool yeah i kind of stumbled across is that there's a point where black holes are diminishing and this is still in the first like 10 percent of the universe's time because it's just such a ridiculous uh, it's it's the it's called the degenerate era and during the degenerate era black holes will be the only bodies in space and every once in a while a star might like magically form but the chances of having life on it are vanishingly small yeah. um, and the chances that they get sucked up by a black hole are pretty large because like everything's a black hole at that point <laughs> Yeah, it's it's just going to be like a self-feeding space graveyard. Yes, and we are talking three million trillion trillion years in the future. I guess the three is 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 non-consequential. It could be a million trillion trillion. It could be a billion trillion trillion. It it, it can it can be a million. (laughs) It could just be yeah. It it could be a million. That's a long time. Well, no, a million years. It can't be a million. No, but I'm saying, if for our perspective, it really doesn't matter. Oh, from our perspective, no. From the con- no, from our perspective, if it's a million, I think like our civilization and all the civilizations we will hopefully eventually meet will have died out by that time. Maybe I, I think China will still be going strong. <laughs> China's gonna do well because they're gonna rise from the ashes as they do. You know, um, China is the only original civilization from the ancient era that is still going. My, one of my history, they don't know when to quit. I had a history teacher (laughs) and a history professor, both uh, Ms. Walker in middle school 
and uh, one of one of my teachers in college, they had they both had the same poster, and it was a poster of all the dominant civilizations throughout the last like thousand years, or two thousand or three thousand. Most of like recorded human history. It was way more than that. It was I, I don't remember well enough to give numbers, but it was way behind Jesus. So obviously more than two thousand years. But China was the the only civilization that had made it from ancient era to now which i thought was kind of cool like unbroken because even rome morphed into other things and rome doesn't exist anymore you know what i mean like the roman culture may have disseminated and there are definitely its influences felt very strongly today but it it's not an unbroken identity that's lasted since recorded history started this has been a very trippy episode <laughs> it has it has <laughs> oh the last thing i was gonna say the degenerate era why that's special is because that's the last time that astrophysicists think that life can sustain itself because we get our energy from the sun but intelligent life can can kind of sp- sprout from anywhere where there's energy that can be harnessed and used and black holes have extremely strong rotational energy that rotational energy could be siphoned off and used by intelligent life forms as late as a million trillion trillion years from now of course by the time you're talking about the last black hole deteriorating, you're now in trillion, 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 trillion years territory, which is like orders of magnitude higher to the point where like the percentage of time that life can exist is basically zero. Jesus. Yeah. I thought that was cool. That is pretty fucking cool. I I think it would be neat to see like a civilization that's alive as the last black holes are vanishing someone who gets to have like a front row view like through some telescope right like like imagine if you could you could take your consciousness stuff it into a robot and the robot could self-sustain itself by rebuilding its its frame and your consciousness stays intact you know like this everyone has this like massive fucking party and they're just like sitting there like going like 10, 9, 8, you know, counting down the end of the universe as they're all like high on everything the future has to offer because nothing matters anymore. Or as that rotational energy slows down and there's less to siphon off, it's actually a slow process. So now you have multiple life forms competing with each other to siphon off the most energy they can so they can stay conscious so imagine a bunch of life forms like robotic life forms that are getting a form of dementia but it's not real dementia it's dementia that comes out of not having enough energy to function and you're now competing with billions of other life forms that are orbiting the same black hole and all of you start, they start killing each other so they can have the most amount of energy to siphon off before it completely vanishes. And then what do you do? Just like float through space until your your, your protons decay to nothing? Can you feel cold? I don't think you can feel anything. I think you're basically, at that point, you're basically like just stuck, you know? 
Yeah. Nah, it would be really convenient to be in a robot body that doesn't have like nerve endings. Oh yeah, yeah. Because then you only have yourself to go crazy with. Yeah. Yeah. But you're also accelerating in the space far faster than the speed of light. Despite the fact that you're moving faster than the speed of light, you're not flat or two-dimensional or one-dimensional. You're still just moving. And when the rotational energy can't hold you anymore to its gravity, it spits you, ejects you. But because you can't die, you're just kind of spinning through the void. And you can watch the light disappear as that black hole becomes unreachable. That'd be kind of cool. That'd or not. Cool. Actually, it sounds terrifying. I don't know. <laughs> I'm glad I'm going to die. I mean, I mean, it would be such a unique experience, though. So few people in history would have had it. Nobody in history would have had it. Exactly. But, you know, other people standing next to you would have, but, you know. <laughs> As you watch them float away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Assuming you have eyes. <laughs> Assuming your eyes work, like if you even have vision. Yeah. You know, what if, what if, what if you can smell space? We just don't have noses for it. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, we do need Dr. Farnsworth's smelloscope. <laughs> well anyway uh that's all i've got uh do you have anything else no i ran out of juice a little while ago all right all right <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry all right well you know this has been moot please follow us on twitter at the mood podcast and visit us at the moot subreddit and yeah uh, we'll see you later yeah have a good one ciao